This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. Just a reminder, we currently have our giant giveaway competition running from our sponsors over at Giant. There is currently a prize pack that you could win which is valued at over $7,000. And in that prize pack, you could win a set of carbon fiber KDEX wheels. Now, a lot of people think that uh, we are just offering the KDEX wheels, the disc wheel at the front and the the quad spoke wheel, uh, sorry, disc wheel at the back and quad spoke wheel at the front. Uh, But that's not the case. Uh, If you, You can pick, if you win, you can pick any set of KDEX wheels you want. So if you want a set for your road bike, a set of carbon wheels for your road bike or any other of the range that KDEX provide, the winner will get to select whichever they choose, which is really exciting. So the competition is still open. The winner will be announced on next week's episode, Tuesday, the 26th of December, a perfect Christmas present for someone. And I must say, there's probably only about 700-ish entries at the moment. Uh, so it's a really, you've got a really good chance if you go to our Instagram, go to the post and follow the instructions, you've got a really good chance of winning an endurance pack valued at over $7,000. We've got the KDX wheels, we've got an SIS package in there as well as a bunch of other goodies. So that's really exciting. Go to our Instagram page. And find the giant giveaway post uh, to enter that if you haven't already. So, getting into this week's episode. Every year, this is one of our favorite episodes to record as we get to reflect on the year and all the incredible learnings that we've had. And it's one of the most valuable things that we can do. And it's um, it's really insightful to actually sit back and reflect and and ask yourself the questions: well, What did I actually learn this year? You know, what did, what, what did I improve on this year? And um, what did I find valuable? And when we force ourselves to answer these questions, you remember such great, uh, incredible insights. And that's why we do this podcast episode every year. So as always, this episode is brought to you by our proud sponsor, Giant. We are sponsoring the giveaway for all your bike training and racing needs. Ride life, ride giant. Dad, welcome to one of the final episodes of the year. We're going to start with our normal segment, what are you grateful for? But we're going to make it, what is or what are your biggest gratitudes for the year? It's a big starting point, isn't it, for the whole year? What am I most grateful for? Uh, and boy, there's been at least 50 gratitudes this year. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I kind of, I couldn't really decide. There was just so many things that I was grateful for. But to try and summarize it, um, I don't think I could be more grateful to be in the position I'm in. And it's a very privileged position to be in, to be able to surround myself with like-minded people, um, have a relationship and go on a journey with those people that I really care about. And they're very inspiring, dedicated, resilient, and driven athletes that we've surrounded ourselves with in this in this uh, community. And finally, to be able to hopefully have a positive impact on those athletes. Uh, so I'm grateful for that opportunity. And, and if we have a positive inf- impact on those athletes, then those athletes probably and should turn into better human beings because of this relationship and and that's kind of my gratitude and and hopefully that's what we're achieving in this podcast and we never know that until we get feedback um the majority of the feedback we get is is fantastic and especially when we happen to meet people for the first time at uh, at some events it's it's brilliant um so so yeah i really am grateful to be in this position and and hopefully i'm using it to the best of my ability and um, and I just love what I'm doing. I think most people would say that you would, so that's a good one. Uh, my one is, yeah, pretty pretty similar and pretty broad. I, th- I think I was just reflecting and I just, you know, I've thought many times this year, I just feel so lucky for my life. 
I get to work in an industry I love. I get to pretend I'm a pro athlete. Uh, I get to work with my dad and my brother and I get to talk about all the things I love on here on this podcast each week and, and help um, a bunch of athletes improve. And it's just an area I'm so passionate about. And uh, genuinely in an ever-changing world, you know, coming out of uh, that COVID thing the last few years, uh, multiple wars breaking out over the last 18 months, I'm just incredible, great, incredibly grateful that my life has turned out this way. Uh, very lucky that we live here and I was born here and this is you know, the life I've fallen into and um, that combined with we have such a great community around us, as you said, and everyone that's involved in Trivelo and Giant, uh, it's just super, super special and I'm, I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, it's a beauty. I, I, I couldn't agree more and uh, they are very similar gratitudes, but yeah, just the, the people you, and relationships, that's kind of what is important in our lives and uh, a lot of the, the research uh, tells us that, uh, and you and I were talking about this a, f- a few months ago, is the people who live the longest in society are the people who have the, the best uh, relationships. And, and I think, you know, belonging to a tribe or a community is really helping that relationship. Yeah. Yep. Those blue zones. So let's get into our biggest lessons of the year. And we just wrote down our kind of biggest ones separately. And we're going to go one by one um, and kind of discuss uh, our biggest lessons and our biggest points. So uh, I feel like, you know, this year um, we're going to have pretty similar mindsets in that uh, we will be talking maybe potentially less about the you know training tactics or the nutrition tactics or those kind of things which you, which we have in previous years and and more about this year it just feels like it's been a lot of, of mindset and behavior stuff so I'm really interested to see how this unfolds so I'll let you go first and, and what was your point number one of, of one of the biggest lessons of the year for you that has uh, potentially changed the way you train and race yep well you've just stolen my thunder because my number one is the importance of your mindset uh, and how that in, how that impacts uh, everything you do, yeah. and and it's like a road directory, a street map, your your brain, and you can take different directions according to what you're feeling and what your thought processes are, and how you're being impacted by others and, and influenced by what you hear and see. Uh, and I think I think that is so powerful, um, you know, just as powerful of how physically you are as a as an athlete. You know that is the one thing that you know our performance is a physical thing, but but we we definitely know that the brain has such an impact on how we physically perform, and and I think the mindset uh, is such an underrated thing, and people people just talk about mindset all the time, but they don't dig deep enough into what are we talking about when we're talking about what you're thinking, uh, and in in every scenario you have to think through things in, in in life in in sleeping in eating in working in training in racing in relationships you determine what and how you want to react and behave and i think i think that that is an untapped area and one that i'm really i'm almost it's almost a turning point and I, and it seems weird because after being on this earth for 65 years already I haven't really thought about that enough I don't think over my journey it's easy to look back now and think well I did have I did have good uh, influences around me and my behavior was was certainly uh, driven by my my brain telling me this is what I want to do this is what I want to achieve this is how I want to go about it and it's that single-mindedness I think has got me a long way but it's also been a preventative thing because I'm too driven sometimes and and 
don't do the the relaxing and smelling the roses and and enjoying life as well and that comes on to one of my other points but but certainly your the way you think and the way you approach things has a lot to do with the outcome uh and and it is influenced by so many things in your life uh the people around you you surround yourself with which is what we talked about in our gratitude uh, you don't want to you don't want to be spending time with people who are, who are negative um you want to be spending time with people who make you happy and and allow you to do what you want to do and and you and I are very fortunate that we've got a, a great family and a great network of people and and the people we and I don't want to be flippant here the people we choose to be on our program we're really interviewing them to find out who they are what sort of people they are and secondary is what sort of athletes are they uh you know the type of person is more important to us than their ability as an athlete and we've said right from the beginning in all our interviews when we have people join our program is you know whatever whatever level of fitness you are that's okay but we're not selecting you on your ability we're selecting you on your on your personality and and whether you are in line with what we think and and uh, you're on board with that so it is very narrow i know but uh but it, i don't want to spend my life um with with negativity and 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 battling people i want to spend my life with people who are on board and on the journey uh so i'm talking about mindset not in the in the in the racing and competing i'm talking about in in you know how your life is 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 being lived and and of course this podcast is about you know tips and and competing and racing and and that is also such an important um uh, part b of of the mindset goal that i want to talk about which is you know you can do so many more things than you think you can because of the way you allow your brain to think and and i just had another example uh, during the week with some testing where one of some of the comments were oh i just didn't have it today didn't feel like it and and that's that's you deciding that that's how you felt and it's probably real because you did feel maybe tired you didn't get enough sleep but it is christmas period the hardest period of of the year for people trying to get ready for 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 vacation and works really people trying to get things finished for christmas so there's no loose ends and so it is hard to have a brain that's focused on a training session and and that is an example of how important it is to just spend that 45 minute training session not thinking about the list of things that you have to do uh, between now and you know the end of the next four days or whatever it's it's what i'm in being in the moment and and that is one of the things i've been really pushing in a lot of the race strategies and training plans is just being in the moment and and uh trying to separate all the other uh noise uh that's that's interfering with your thought processes and and can be used as an excuse which is fair enough really they are they are actual reasons why you can't concentrate on what you're doing and if it's that bad you probably shouldn't be doing the event so so getting the mindset right as long as it is the right action that you're taking um, i think if you get those things right with the people you surround yourself with and in your activity i think i think you'll go a long way to improving every aspect of what you and the enjoyment and happiness you have in your life and and you know people out there who are in their 20s and their teens and their mid 30s and 40s there's a long way to go you've got you've got lots of future ahead of you where you're still young and you've still got 
a physicality that you can do really whatever you want uh, in your life. It's just you willing, being willing to choose that that pathway that you think is more important at that particular period and what fits in with your your current situation. And and so it's good for me to look back and, and see the decisions and selections I made and be happy or be unhappy with them. And you can't change anything because it's already done. Um, but but you certainly can try to influence others around you to, to, to make them think about they have got a long future ahead of you. You know, if you're if you're 50 and you're probably going to live to the average age of 80-something, You've still got thirty years of good life left. If you're twenty, you're 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 just starting in the first one percent of your hundred percent of your life. Um, so, so the mind can take you down really bad pathways, but it can also take you. And you decide. You're in charge of every decision you make. Will have an impact on the next decision and where your journey goes. So, I know it's a long-winded one, but um, but I really wanted to get get that out there. I've got a good feeling that we're going to cross over a bit on this theme throughout all our points. And you made a really specific point in there about the fact that um, our choices around who we want to be involved with in our community um, are just so much not about an athlete's ability and just so much more about the people we want to be involved with. And my first point is um, kind of similar to that is that your, your training and racing success um, comes down to so many factors that don't have actually anything to do with the actual training or <laughs> racing, you know, and it's, it's so many personal factors. <coughs> when we do the interview at the start, when someone comes on, you know, most people think that the highest priority question is, you know, what training should I do? I'm get, I must be getting the sessions wrong or, um, you know, I, there's, there's some potential secret of training that I'm missing that I'm not getting right. And yes, there's an element of that that's true. You know, that you do need to know the, the right structure of training, but it's just not the highest priority question. What we're finding is an athlete's longevity in the sport um, and their ability to be consistent um, and their enjoyment comes down to all these really personal and individual factors. And, you know, finding what works for you and what your individual preferences are, what your personality traits are um, in relation to all these guiding principles and training structures that we have is just such a more important way to go about it. And, you know, for ourselves, we find various factors that have our own impact on on how motivated we feel or you're, you're very race-driven. So you potentially or definitely train best when you have a race goal in mind because you you'd be single the focus for that and that's your strength and other people aren't other people don't like the, the pressure of a race and they train a lot better a lot more consistently without a race goal and so it's it's really finding out this is why my opening statement was training and racing comes down to so many personal factors outside of the actual training itself um you know really finding out why you're doing what you're doing and you ask you know all the athletes that at the start of the journey you know why do you want to why have you picked this goal you know why is it important to you what's what's in it for you and um that's actually a really important question to ask and it doesn't have to have a a really deep answer it doesn't have to have a really philosophical response you know if you're if you simply say that you enjoy racing you enjoy being competitive you want to be as fit as you can be for your age group you want to top your age group whatever the answer is as long as you're congruent with it and you're really happy with that why and that why motivates you personally it's not someone else's external input it's yours um, you're going to have a much chance, higher chance of succeeding and um, the really important question is and you ask athletes this is okay so this is the goal what sacrifices are you willing to make that work for you because any journey towards a goal or any race goal or, or training goal um, will take sacrifice and so what are the sacrifices you're willing to make and for most age group triathletes there are sacrifices around 
um, lifestyle factors in, in terms of how much time you can have with your family and how much time you can dedicate to training. And, you know, we look at some of the great interviews we had this year, Rachel, one of our athletes with the, um, the uh, ultra trail world champs, you know, and the dedication she showed to getting the training right and the insane 12 to 16 hour overnight runs she was doing in the forest in the middle of winter here in Oz, um, the running to and from work morning and night to get her endurance in, um, you know, the sacrifices of half Ironman and Ironman athletes is massive. The training required for that is huge. Um, we spoke to, we had a great interview earlier in the year with Jimmy Whelan where um, he had just decided that he did not want to give up on his dream to be a pro cyclist and that was the most important thing to him and he just left no stone unturned and his why was so strong he just kept at it and um, eventually picked up a contract which was really exciting and one example I had written down which I don't think is the best one but it's an extreme example the other way is, is Nick Kyrgios very famous for not training not trying yet extreme talent but that kind of seems to work for him he seems to play better when he's out of his head you know the, the game is where he has ended up beating Federer and Adal Djokovic uh, he was super relaxed and in that in that kind of flow state that he loves. And people would argue maybe he would do better with with more training and um, you know more practice. But um, my point is, it's it's really finding what works for you, and and that's just a really really big lesson I think we're we're learning more and more about as we go on. Just the individual factors have such a bigger part on your chance of success than necessarily the the specifics of the actual training. Yeah, that's a great summary. Uh, and. I couldn't agree more with everything you've said. And it really comes into my second point. If you want to <laughs> yeah. move on to that. Just keep going. Yep. Uh, I think I think your mindset uh, is, is well summarized already in what we've just said. And therefore, once you've understood why you're doing it, you, you don't want to be so driven that it, it's, it's at the extreme level. And as you've heard me say so many times, anything that's, extreme i think is unsustainable down the, the you know the long term and i can give hundreds of examples of you know in nutrition people just not eating just to lose weight that that's an extreme behavior that is unsustainable and you know invariably if you do go down that track you could probably achieve the goal of losing the weight that you want to but but there'll be a point where if we looked at that person 5 years later they would be back to what their weight was um, before they started that journey, and it might be five months, it might be five weeks, but but that's an example. Um, someone who who just is addicted to training, who who just you know has got a two hour training session and does five, who who repeats sessions morning and night when there's only one session for them. That's extreme behaviour because they are so determined to improve, and and you know more is not better all the time. Sometimes more is better, but you know it depends on the person. So, so the balanced approach is what we've we've said this from podcast number one, and we're nearly at podcast number two hundred. And and I just feel that if you just try to have that that approach, where it's almost like uh, the analogy of riding in the zone. You know, you've got you've got a range to ride in, and if your range is two hundred to two hundred and twenty. If you sit around 210, you're going to do okay in the, in the race. And if you take that balanced approach of not being extreme and not being lazy, but being somewhere in between there, you're going to actually do okay in life. Um, sure, you want to be dedicated and be uh, driven and have have purpose and and understand your why. But but if you if you keep doing it extremely, you you will be failing the consistency is king approach because that works. 
turning up each day works more than extreme behavior and and that balanced approach is the one that the one lesson that I think that even though I I know it's it's one that we talk about a lot but I think that I keep getting uh, behaviors in some athletes that that end up stopping what they're doing because they've they've just been that high low athlete where they're you know they're on all of a sudden they're on and and I can't give them enough sessions and I'm trying to hold them back and then something happens and it could be any number of reasons it could be sickness which could have been the reason why they're so high in the first place and why they lose their consistency it could be injury it could be work it could be relationship it could be feeling depressed it could be unhappy with their life it could be any re- number of reasons but it will create a, a position where they're low again and they're not training properly and and so that's the hardest athlete to co- to coach and 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 if if everybody can just try to get some sort of balance approach then then i think people will get better outcomes uh, and be more satisfied and and i think if the expectation i was watching the mark cavendish uh, documentary um, and then i watched uh, the podcast with rich roll which was a follow-up on that and and his documentary was brilliant uh, and it was interesting comparing that with uh, beckham's they're both you know elite athletes who are under the spotlight in the media and and you know cavendish what a what an athlete what a you know one of the most famous sprinters in the world you know if not the best sprinter ever to to ride a bike yet that documentary showed a side of Cavendish that was he was so uh, measuring himself by winning and losing and and that's extreme behavior he was going to be a happy person if he won if he lost his his rate on that race on that day he was unbearable to be around this is his his words you know and that's the perfect example of when he was interviewed with Rich Roll, he was looking back going, that was a crazy way to live, you know, even though that was a, it was a successful way, but I feel, he said, I felt embarrassed for the people that I was hurting along the way because of my behavior, my family and my wife, my kids, um, my teammates, my coaches, anybody I ran into when I had a bad day, they didn't want to be near me. And, and now he's, he's, kind of smelling the roses a bit he's having another year at the sport uh and and he's not going to be uh, measured by his his performance if he if it's a bonus he's saying now if he if he can win another race it's a bonus and that's a, that's you know and people might say well he only attri- achieved his successes because he was extreme behavior and there's a fact there that that's probably right but is that the human that you want to be and that's what we talked about in our gratitude is that the human you want to be? I certainly wouldn't want to be a win at all costs, even though it looks like that's the way I'm competing. Um, but, you know, I want to be gracious in defeat and, and humble in, in victory, but enjoy the process and the journey more than the winning and losing. It's it's unbelievable to win and to, to be on the top podium. But But the balance is more important, I think, and it's more sustainable. And you can be in the sport forever if you have that balanced approach. And that's my point is... I want to be in this for the long term and you know I've probably got only 15 more years of of exercise at a at a level that's kind of worth saying you are exercising and <laughs> and uh, not being in slow motion but um but I still want to I still want to have you know th- that 
that what's left for my for my uh, training and fitness to be to be really healthy, and and I want that balance to be continuing. It brings up a really uh, interesting point when you say you know, was he only successful because he had that all or nothing mindset and there's a sports psychologist who actually is Australian and I, I really want to get on the podcast. So hopefully we can get him on next year who talks about this and um, he refers to Andre Agassi's story where that's how Andre Agassi, you know, believed for a long period. And that is one strategy that could work, but it's a very unhealthy strategy and it doesn't hold up when, you know, when things go wrong as Cavendish found out and Andre Agassi was able to, he went through a big rut in his career and he was able to turn it around and get back to a winning strategy without that all or nothing mindset instead um, just became a much more consistent balanced player. And so it shows that, yes, that strategy works for a reason. That's why some people adapt it, but it's very uh, unhealthy and goes the wrong way. So, and um, just as a side note, as I haven't actually seen the Cavendish documentary yet. Is, is he unretired? Is he going around for another year? Yep, so Astana have given him another year's contract and he's lining oh, wow. up for the Tour de France uh, next July and it, it's super exciting. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that. Um, he that is, is the world exciting. record holder of the most stage wins in the Tour de France, even though he's yeah. sharing it, but he is the current world record holder. So yeah. he has nothing to lose. And that was yeah. the great point that he was making was, if I win another race, it doesn't change anything. I'm still the world mm. record holder of the most stage wins in the history of the Tour. So, so it's a great great approach he's having which is quite different to what he was yeah. doing his whole career it's interesting you brought up the beckham documentary as well i feel like beckham is a, such a really good example based on the documentary because you don't, i've never seen that or no one's really seen that behind the scenes but he was basically cho- choosing family over his career the whole time and he was so invested in his relationship and, and family and it almost came to the detriment of his career multiple times and he was okay with that and i really liked that example where and it's paid off for him now because he's, he's so happy with his family post you know, career life and that was always going to end at some point and I really liked that example. Yeah, he, he was criticised the whole journey. I I've, I had a great admiration for that documentary for him and I didn't I didn't know anything about him. I, I'm a mad soccer fan. I knew that he was one of the, the all-time greatest players but you just look at the, the pretty boy image the media were um, pushing during his career but when you when you get to see that documentary you understand that the pressure that he was under um, at all of the clubs he was at and, and the resilience he had and, and that he kept balanced. He, he didn't, he didn't have extreme behavior. And, and I just really think that um, there were two extremes, Cavendish and Beckham and how they were both in the limelight and how they dealt with that. Um, and, you know, not saying one's right or wrong. Uh, it was just yeah. interesting to see how both athletes approached and, and handled. Um, and, you know, to be fair, I, thought Beckham had almost his whole country against him at one stage when when he performed poorly at the World Cup and and you know I don't think any athlete would ever want that on anybody and to see him go through that was was uh, distressing Uh, you know watching that back I, I just it just you just really had an understanding of how how hurtful uh, your behaviour to other human beings can be, and how resilient this person was. That he get, he didn't go in a depressive state about it. It was it was what a what a human being he is. It's interesting you say you know you look at the differences between the two, and you're saying there's no right or wrong. But I think we kind of are saying there's a wrong one. You know, the wrong one is the extreme one, and the wrong one is the the results based one. And and I will I will do want to point out that you've used extreme examples here, um, but the, uh, I think one of our key messages is. You're using extreme examples just to um, make the point clear, but anything that is unsustainable is 
kind of an indication that it's out of balance. So it doesn't have to be extreme behavior. You know, you use the example of you set a two-hour session and they go for five hours. You know, we, we have one out of a thousand athletes that actually does that. Um, but what you are saying is that even if it's minute things added up or just minute things in general that um, that take away from that balance and consistency, then that shows that something's a little bit out of whack and that shows that um, you're doing a little bit too much to not keep that balance. And I think that's a really important point. And, you know, we have an example right now of two athletes who are on a um, very similar program to their volume and ability and they're pushing each other to do extras and one is doing extras um, very much within the zones that they want and the other one is not and there's two key outcomes happening. You know, one is getting through the training and, and putting together very consistent weeks and the other is having a lot of interruptions and, that's just, that's not an extreme example. You know, they're doing basically the same thing, um, but with some minor adjustment, one is getting a, a quite a different outcome at the moment to the other. So I think that's worth pointing out. Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, I, I could go on with other examples that aren't so extreme and y- your point is well taken. And I just wanted to make sure everybody's, you know, getting some range between, between extreme and balance um, and, you know, extreme laziness and extreme over the top, um, you know, dedication and to, to, you know, don't ever think that uh, doing, doing just enough is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you need to go the extra mile and that doesn't mean possibly training harder or longer. I, I'm saying be more, be more organized in yourself. And that probably comes on to my next point, but, but really, you know, if, if you're an athlete, who's just like almost got, you know, the headlights in your eyes like a, a, a stunned rabbit has you you are searching for what works and you see some athlete successfully uh, achieve something and instantly you start copying his program and then two weeks later some other athlete does something better and you and you change from that that's that's another example of extreme behavior where you're just not following the process of what will probably would work better for you rather than jumping on board with oh that person's doing this so you know, this is what I should be doing. And I did have an example of that where one of the endurance events, um, you know, one of the athletes was was saying, well, uh, the guys I train with are saying that I should be doing this. And then I'm looking at the at the event that, that the person's trying to train for and, and they're giving guidelines for the general population to follow. And, and the, the athlete's asking me, um, the guidelines from this event says I should be doing this. So straight away, they're asking two other outside parties to to make a comment about their own training program and and that is that is not that is just extreme behavior of grabbing bits and pieces from everywhere and listening to people who don't know anything about you um, you know a, a program that's written for a, for an event is is for the general population it has no specifics to your current situation your ability or your fitness level so so that's all it is. It's a general guide. So why would you take that over someone who's actually training you specifically? And why would you listen to other people who know have no idea about your um, program or where you're at in your program? So, so really, that balanced approach of not not just being a headless chook and following someone else's program because it's successful for them, but really, you know, getting to understand and working out what works for you and following that. And you'll never know if it works if you keep doing variations of it. And, and that is another example of what I'm talking about with being balanced. 
Go do a campaign, follow the structure that you've worked out with your coach and follow it through to the letter and then you can make a decision about whether it worked or not. But if you do a variation of that program, you're still in the dark about how successful or not it was, depending on how you, you, you performed on the day. My next point uh, is, you know, I think these keep they keep following um, along with each other, but um, my next point is really a kind of a, a continuation of that in terms of... Um, of not overcomplicating training and yeah, not jumping from thing to thing because training is really simple and it's not. So it's a bit of a paradox. <laughs> and what I mean by that is um, we can keep it really simple and we can overcomplicate it and you can go as far down the rabbit hole as you want uh, to overcomplicate it. But the summary is that there's no one right way to do things. Um, and we've gotten to interview you know such a range of guests, coaches, um, see training programs and uh, from all around the world and there's such a wide variety of training strategies and approaches that even the top athletes in the world you'd think they'd probably be on you know, somewhat similar training structures and principles but they're not they're they're quite varied and your example just then of you know, there's an athlete who when they compare to the general guideline or, or what someone else is doing it's obvious to see why there's something different happening because there's no one right way to do thing and i think this is yeah, a really big uh, thing that stood out for us this year is um, there's many versions of the same way to achieve the training goal, which is to achieve a stimulus response. That's the bottom line. And our job is just to try and simplify it down to uh, make sure that that's happening for the athlete and not overcomplicate it because we know that this whole process can get very overwhelming, especially once you start diving into the research, diving into what other people are saying online, diving into the videos online, diving into other people's Instagram posts, talking to other athletes about what they're doing. They're it can be overwhelming. It can overcomplicate things. And this is why it's a paradox. There's a lot to learn. You know, there's a lot to uncover and you'll be uncovering things for the next 30 years if you keep diving into it. Um, but at the same time, we want to take it back a step and just say it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, we see many examples of this where you just want to strip it back and just keep it back to the basics. And that will probably yield you just as good a result. So being willing to adjust where necessary for your um, needs um, and also being able to stick to the program where it needs consistency and um, dive into some more specifics where you need to improve and learn something and then not overcomplicate it when you just need to get the training done and, and keep it that simple. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, I love everything you've said and and the, the KISS, keep it simple, stupid, which is what my dad used to say a lot to me um, when I was practicing some of my um, penalty penalty kick takes uh, in training and don't overcomplicate and you can you can that's a great example of how you can over overthink and overcomplicate a penalty kick isn't it like it's such a mind game when you're standing there and that's that's you know just pick a corner and go for it if the keeper's good enough so be it but if you practice that actual action rather than um than overcomplicating what what should be a straightforward um execution then you'll be better off for it and i think that comes into my next point which is um, the importance of of really being well planned and well prepared, um, and it's equally as important as the actual doing of of your training program and 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 racing program. And, and people just don't give that, I think, the kudos that it deserves. And and you can you can be unplanned, unprepared, and train the house down, but be training the wrong sessions and the wrong days and the <laughs> wrong the wrong duration and and you know and what you said before about um, adjusting things according to how you're coping they're the important things that um, that you should be really getting lessons from in the past history that you know you've done previously poorly don't keep repeating that you know 
make better better decisions around you know preparation so you know we've said this example of people just jumping on their trainer not really knowing what the session is going to be today and opening up and looking at the Zwift screen or their bike computer and and it says okay I'm doing a warm up and they still don't know what the main set is you know this is a this is an extreme example of an, an athlete who you know I've had them do this to me and and you know they've actually loaded the wrong session because they didn't you know they had three or four sessions loaded on their bike computer and didn't even know which session they were supposed to be doing and ended up doing the wrong session and that's just poor preparation poor planning and getting an outcome that's not desired for that particular phase of their program and and that that is just as important as doing the training session doing any training session is still going to have a stimulus but it could be the wrong stimulus for that day or week or that block and that's why being understanding what's happening in the in the afternoon or the next day or the next week or the next month is really important um, around you know your work schedule your holidays christmas time like now um, you know family functions um, and your actual health and fatigue level and and being okay with you know sure we have a program that's perfect for you for 12 weeks or 20 weeks or whatever the program is but that has to be flexible and have the ability to adjust as you go and and not just be pig-headed and say well this is what i'm meant to be doing i've had so many examples every week where i'm just flipping sessions around adjusting uh, asking the question are you coping you know and the athlete says well actually i'm not instantly we change it instantly and and that's a reason why you would get less impact in injuries and illness because you're on top of it all the time and that's the planning and preparing part that i'm talking about because it will impact your your training and your racing results i do love your emphasis on this motto and it's a really important point that it's not just a throwaway throwaway line on motto you know plan prepare perform which we have at trivalo it's a important step-by-step process and you have to move through them chronologically. You're not just saying, oh, have, make sure you're a little bit planned and you're a little bit prepared because then you perform well and, and majority of people's focus goes on the performance part. You know, if you if you broke it down to where do people spend the most time and energy, you'd, pay, you'd say 80% of it, 80% of people focus on the performance part and they spend 20% of the time on the planning or preparation. And for you, it is actually a step-by-step process where if you were to, you know, if you were to be like in an ideal world, you wouldn't let an athlete go through the planning, for, get to the preparation phase without ticking off the planning phase properly. And you wouldn't let them get through the preparation phase to the performance phase until they prepared properly. And there's such a high correlation between our, you know, our best quote unquote best athletes and our athletes that perform the best. And that's not necessarily winning, although it quite often is winning. Um, but athletes that get the best uh, improvement or PVs. And how much they're willing to plan and prepare around their performance. And I always use the um, nationals example as a great one. When you turn up to nationals, when you look at the Trivelo riders warming up, it looks like it's the before Paris Roubaix or a Tour de France time trial stage. You know, the amount of planning pr- preparation that is going on there, it looks like the most professional unit of cyclists. And there's a bunch of, uh, you know, masters athletes all just getting ready for a nationals time trial. And I just absolutely love it because the level of planning and preparation just sets them up perfectly for performance. That's why we've had, I don't know what we're up to now, 40, 50, 60 plus national titles in in time trials over um, the years, uh, probably even more to be honest. And yeah, I just really want to emphasize this point that um, you are so adamant about this 
planning and preparation stage because you're trying to tell athletes the more you get that right, the easier the performance becomes. You know, the more that you focus on that and start improving that in yourself, performance comes naturally. And I, I just think uh, for a lot of new athletes out there, um, it sounds a little bit trivial and it sounds a little bit like over the top, um, but it's really not. It's just part of this process that will absolutely guarantee improvement on race day. The performance is still going to be hard. You know, that, that doesn't change anything, but you're more informed. Yeah. That's that's what I want to I want to I want to make sure every athlete is so well prepared that the execution part of race day or the training session it doesn't have to be race day we're talking about it could be just the the execution of your day's race uh, training session you know you are so informed about what you're about to do that you can make good decisions and the only thing you have to worry about is how well can I execute according to how I'm feeling and, and that is one of the big lessons that I, I'm trying to emphasize with everybody. So you can concentrate on the important parts of the session, which is if we, if we take the bike session as an example, am I pedaling in the ranges that I'm supposed to be in cadence and power? And is my heart rate response according to how I'm feeling? Uh, and they're the things you should be thinking about uh, rather than, you know, can I just get through this session? You're actually got some goals strategies that you're trying to implement in that training session to get you to the range that you're trying to do in say the five minute effort we're doing you know if you're trying to ride at the top of the range for example how am i pedaling am i pulling up in my stroke you know all these things are part of the start part of the preparation and planning so you can implement the actual skill of the session or the race and and if you if you have that mindset more informed i am the better and easier it is to execute. Still hard physically, but at least I've got information that'll give me uh, feedback about how to continue that actual effort that I'm currently in, and and that's the game-changing thing that you should be concentrating on. And as you know, if you think about that, George, any training session you're in, it flies. It flies by because you're concentrating on really important things that are helping you achieve the goal of that particular effort. And the same with the race. You know, people say, oh, how do you possibly do a half Ironman for all those hours out there and Ironman's even worse. But if you're concentrating on key factors in the swim, bike and run and transition that, the, you know, that you and your coach have thought about, you know, what is my power? What is my cadence? How's my speed? What is my running pace? These are all things that you've thought about before the event and you're now thinking about during the event, which will make the thing go so fast, pass so quickly because you're, you're in the moment the whole time, which is what I talked about in the mindset at the start is, you know, if you're in the moment and thinking about what am I actually doing now? What are the conditions surrounding me? What, what decisions should I make right now? And if you're asking that yourself that the whole time, then your, your journey in that training session or, or week or race will be so much more effective because you're thinking about the important things and not the noise that's going around you. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, I think I'm on my last point for the episode. And the last one I want to finish off with is, again, a mindset theme. Um, and, yeah, we just – I think the we've been lucky with the guests this year that a lot of the conversations have just lent that way in terms of the, the, the mindset stuff and excuse kind of the, the physical, philosophical nature of some of the stuff we're saying. But uh, it's really – kind of it really is our biggest lessons of the year. And uh, for me, the last point I wanted to make was um, just around – your own self-worth and value as a person and 
Um, I'm not an expert in this topic. This is just kind of what I've been learning a lot of this year from our guests, from, you know, listening to a lot of documentaries and podcasts on this. And I just think it's been so applicable. And there's this quote that st- stood with me all year and it's called, uh, it says, there is no good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Very common um, phrase or thought process that the meaning we attach to something um, is our own choice and whether it's good or bad depends on us. And uh, there's a very vague way, a vague generalization because um yeah, we're not trying to say that nothing is good or bad necessarily. It's just, a, again, it's a philosophical concept. But um, when it, how it applies to athletes is um, really this notion of we're not defined by you, your results or outcomes. So you're not defined by your ability as an athlete. And for me, that was a big learning this year because I, for the first time in a long time, I lost a lot of love for training. And our conversation with Lockie Morton was so awesome for this. Um, because he's been through major periods of where he loved bike riding as a kid, made it to the pro scene and then wanted nothing more than to quit and go home. And his journey to find the love again of just riding his bike and him and his brother riding their bikes literally to the middle of the desert in Australia just for the pure love of it and the pure freedom of it. That really resonated with me. And as I mentioned, I think, yeah, this was generally one of the most challenging years I've had with training. Um, I was traveling a lot this year and that really is not conducive to consistency. And what that meant for me was I uh, got really down on myself about it and I was just far too critical, which I think an athlete mindset is definitely that. We hold ourselves to high standards. If you're choosing to do athletic sports like triathlon, cycling, um, running, whatever, you know, you're you're a competitive person and you've got those demanding traits. And so it's very easy for people without traits to um, have high standards for ourselves. And that was definitely me. And I was, I was being far too harsh on myself for my lack of consistency in training, which only made it worse. And it was kind of a negative feedback loop where you'd feel, I'd feel worse about the training, which would make me want to do it less. And it was kind of a spiral I hadn't found myself in, myself in before. And um, what really changed that was understanding this kind of um, self-worth concept a lot more. And I see it in so many athletes um, in Travelo and also externally outside of Travelo and in professional sports where the more we're defined by how we think people perceive us or these kind of external things that are just so out of our control, the worse we're going to be because it's just such a poor way to try and live, to try and meet those expectations. And then when you're not and you're critical on yourself, it's just this lose-lose scenario and you know, us as coaches, we, if someone wasn't training well or if they um, weren't being consistent, we wouldn't treat them as harshly as we treat ourselves. You know, internally, you kind of berate yourself or, or beat yourself up a bit. And there's just no way you treat an athlete, if an athlete like that. There's just no way an athlete would call you up, dad, and and say, I've, I've been struggling with training. I haven't been consistent. There's no way you're going to say, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, why haven't you been doing that? Um and so that combined, you you not say to an athlete, you're you're a bad person because you haven't been consistent. You know, you're a bad person. You the person's worth is just so not associated with that at all. Yet internally, we do that. You know, we so often, uh, if, if a person has a bad race and they and they call you up and they say, I didn't perform well. I wanted to get on the podium. I didn't get there. I wanted to do a PB. I didn't get there. Never once are you even considering the thought that they're a bad person because of it. Because you go, well, I don't want to. Co- I don't want to talk to you anymore. And it's exactly what you said in your very first point that. You know, we're not coaching people based on ability. We're coaching people based on personalities. And um, yet the athlete talking to you probably feels that way. They feel worse about their result as a person. So separating those two things for me has just been a big eye opener this year. And 
um, how I you know found love again for training was was getting back to why I wanted to train and why I loved it and finding enjoyment in it again. And you know, that's a big process of you know, hearing people like Lockie Morton talk about it, but um, also just you know not trying to define how you're feeling about your life based on how well you're training or how well people in, in the community see your Zwift numbers or your FTP at the moment. And yeah, it's just it's kind of counterintuitive because it's our whole goal at the moment. Our whole goal is to improve. Our whole goal is to have a high FTP number. You know, we're putting so much time and attention on, you know, performing better in races. So it's counterintuitive to say, well, if that doesn't happen, it's not a problem. That's not what I'm saying. It's it's de- separating the result from who you are. So that was a that's been a major lesson for me this year. Oh, there's a lot in there, and and I've got so many examples. I I'd like to share almost a couple of them, but you know. There is no good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's such a great sentence, isn't it? So, so you decide what's good or bad by the way you th- your thought process is. That's what that's saying. Yeah. And so the example I would give is if you performed below the level that you wanted to in the the race that you were aiming for, uh, you're you're calling that a bad performance, or and you've got a bad feeling out of it, a bad outcome about yourself. And so really, in life, we, we, we make decisions and we have actions. And, and in a race, for example, we might decide that our power number is this and our average pace is going to be that. But on the day, we make a decision to go above that or to go below it or to stay the same. They're the choices we have. And, and as, as an athlete, I'm always encouraging people to to be free to choose what they want. And that's what planning and preparing is about, is having information. And you, on race day, you go out and you execute however you want. And and it's sort of ironic that some athletes will be jokingly saying, oh, you wouldn't want to make the call post-race to Jared because you've made a mistake. And that couldn't be further from the truth because I've done every one of those mistakes that the athlete's about to, to discuss with me. And, and that's that's not a bad thing. It's actually a positive. You learn more about what you did poorly on race day, your execution. That's the only thing that, that's happened on race day. You're not a bad person. Just you made a decision that that was detrimental to the outcome you wanted. And and therefore, we can discuss that and and learn that that's our level there. And we went too far past and therefore it caused us to slow down. So we didn't get the result we wanted. And if you don't identify that, then you actually haven't learned anything. So, so you thinking that you've you've done something bad or wrong is actually not correct. You've you've just made a decision that's had a an effect that got the outcome that you didn't want. Just like if you make a decision to attack and you stay away and win the race, that's a really good decision that that has got the outcome you wanted. And had you done that and you got caught and finished last, you would say that's a bad decision. But it, it's not good or bad. It's it's a decision in itself. And the outcome is determined by that decision. And then you can say at the end, well, it must have been a bad decision because I didn't do the performance I wanted. So, so, But whatever you think about that, everybody's making mistakes. And if you're, if you're going through life thinking that the people who are winning all the time aren't making mistakes, you're, you're ma- mistaken about their about their life as a human being everybody has struggles and and has tough times with with the decisions they've made getting a poor outcome whether it's at work or 
um, or you know, with your own health or with your with your racing. So, so yeah, I think the point you're making is really valid, and and I I want to make sure that everybody is clear that that the you know that concept of um, good and bad is is just a learning thing, and and not to frame it like that, but to to make the thought process about. Um, I tried something and the outcome didn't didn't get what I wanted. So now I'll try something different and see what happens. And that's a better way of doing it. Yeah, and I, I really want to follow up on that point and, and make it clear that um, I don't think, well, for me, it's not about lowering your standards or trying to pretend that you don't want to achieve big goals or, or try and win races, you know, and I definitely got caught in that trap a little bit because when you are making decisions that don't go your way or um, you're having outcomes that don't go your way, you can start to go into your shell a little bit and, and be afraid of making mistakes or exactly what you're saying, be afraid of failure, whether it's in racing or life in general, like you said. And um, it's quite the opposite. It's, it's you know, you really, I love our high standards and I love our competitive nature that we really want to go for things and achieve things because when you do, it's so rewarding. Um, but it's just more about that, um when you stumble along the way, which you inevitably will, um, it's how do you treat yourself in those moments? And are you kind to yourself like you would be to a friend or to another athlete for us, you know, for athletes we're coaching? Um, or do you internally you know, beat yourself up, which is just the absolute worst thing to do because it just doesn't help anything. It only makes things worse for the future. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not a case of um, pretending everything's rosy and, and not trying to achieve goals and um, try to protect yourself by... You know, not failing, it's quite the opposite. It's going for these lofty goals and that's what triathlon's all about is setting you know, big targets that you want to work towards because the journey to get there is so rewarding. Um, and then knowing that, yeah, if you if you stuff up and or when you stuff up and, and make mistakes, it's all part of a learning process that will only make you better in the future. So, yeah. I, look, I just want to add one more thing. You know, I've had to learn the vulnerability is is a good thing, not a bad thing. And I framed that as bad my whole life. And I think only in the last period of my life that I've come to understand that being vulnerable is actually really helpful, not only to you um, and to be kind to yourself, but but shows shows who you are to others. And I think that has an effect on others in a positive way. And I, and I think that vulnerability is something that that is, a, you know, when I was growing up, that was a sign of weakness. That you know, being vulnerable and showing your emotions, and, and definitely a male thing growing up in the you know the seventies and eighties, and and you know you, you just couldn't show a weakness, and and I just think that that's just such a narrow-minded, um, uh, poor way of of living, and uh, and you know I'm now happy to to admit to anybody that I'm stuffing up or making mistakes and not getting it right, and and I'm as as human as anybody else in in my performances and my behavior and and i'm not setting myself up to to know everything and if i did um it's a a very quick uh, lonely journey forward because if you don't learn something every day you've wasted the day in my opinion and and i and i want to i want to hear and learn from as many people as i can who can help me be a better person and therefore i can help others be better so that 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 vulnerability is one step towards that and not sitting on your high horse thinking you know everything. And, and I think, you know, to, to set yourself up like that, you, you want to be getting people around you and, and associating with people who can, you know, the example would be as a bike rider, just riding with your group and you're the best rider in that group have been for five years. 
but you haven't improved one bit because all the other people uh, you're, you're training with are, are less standard than you. You should be getting out of that pool and going to a bigger pool where the majority of people are better than you. So you're being challenged. And that's an example of what I'm talking about is staying in your comfort zone. So what you're talking about is, you know, we want you to be pushing yourself. We're not trying to, you know, in a balanced life where we talked about, you know, we want we want you to be pushing and making your challenge a challenge so that you are actually becoming a better human because of those pushing the limits. Yeah. yeah, limits that you're, you know, but not being the extreme example, but but you know, we want you to be out there having a go and. And I will applaud anybody who has a go ahead of people who sit on the fence um, and don't make any decisions and just repeat the same training session and the same race result week in, week out, year in, year out, decade in, decade out. I want to see people challenge themselves and, and push their limits and see what their capabilities are. And you never know where that takes you. That's a great way to finish, and yeah, we we definitely we know we've gone down this this rabbit hole of mindset a few times this year, and especially to finish off, but it's so prevalent for us, and we'll definitely continue to, you know, really dive into training specifics and sports science and nutrition and everything that helps us train smarter, race faster. That's our bread and butter. And we can't wait to bring you more episodes and guests next year. Um, but we also know how important this is, and we actually have, we've spoken a lot together about how this is a really kind of missing topic uh, in the endurance scene and the triathlon cycling world um that we want to bring more of next year so we're really looking forward to bring bring some more guests in that are really in line with that which we is really exciting so that's it for this episode it's been another great year for us and it's how we've taken these kind of lessons and we're applying them to our mindset and training so merry christmas from us uh once again we will be continuing to release uh an episode weekly not too weekly as normal uh, over the christmas break but definitely an episode weekly so we'll see you next tuesday as normal thanks as always for listening and we'll see you on the next one